0: I I want to turn the lights down a minute, and um, the other couple weeks ago I was sitting in the back taking it in while other people were preaching, and I love to do that, I'm so thrilled. And I I had a little hard time focusing because this is what I saw, and I don't know if any of you have ever seen this when you're in church, but I'd like to share it with you a moment if you would, please. Now, that's hard. That's hard to worship if you're behind that, right? I mean, look at that. Wow. Who wears their glasses like that? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you want to know the story behind that, uh, you know, this is, I could put the lights up, please, so you could just see how everybody that's a person of God likes to have fun, and how everybody likes to be light about the church. That particular picture was sent from Joseph Prince to Matt Crouch, who sent it to me. And uh, apparently, you know, Joseph found it somewhere, thought it was so funny, he shared it with Matt, and Matt knew that I'd think it was hilarious. So I just want you to understand something. Everybody needs some humor in their life, amen? Doesn't matter who it is, Everybody needs some humor in their life. Now, we're not laughing at that guy, but we sure are laughing with him, right? I mean, who wears their glasses? Brother, that'd be like you. You Your head would work with that, you know. You put your glasses up. Who turns them around and puts them down like that? I don't know, I mean, that was, okay. Father, thank you for a brief word, a quick word. Allow us to touch with what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about the mystery of the favor of God. And I wrote out to you and I said that we're going to build upon this truth. It's a can't miss truth of the kingdom-based favor of God. I've asked you before and in the last couple of weeks, this is the third part of the series, who here would like to be able to know and be confident that you can and are walking in the favor of God? Amen. Nobody says no to that. Right? Only Satan says no to that. So having said that, I had presented to you that there are four primary divine attributes that interact between God and the child of God. And working together, these transform us into a highly blessed and favored state. This is a process. I want you to understand something. The favor of God is a process. It the favor of God doesn't just fall down from heaven and all of a sudden you're sustained in his favor forever. The favor of God builds and strengthens and there are ways where, that we see that and I wanna share that with you so that you're equipped. And I want you to be able to walk into confidence with the knowledge and the understanding that you have the favor of God and then to know what you're to do with the favor of God and how that equips you and blesses you, but it's a process. It's not something that just happens one time and it stays with you. The favor of God is a process just like faith is a process. Sometimes healing is a process. Sometimes deliverance is a process. When we are walking together, we're always moving and we'll talk about that in a very quick moment. This process is forever increasing in potency. So the favor of God is something that's imparted to us and is supposed to grow unless we interrupt it and then somehow we get in the way of of, of disrupting it. We can become a blockage in the favor of God in our lives from him to us. But if you embrace these divine treasures we're gonna discuss that come from the bosom of the Father into the bosom of your being, then you will walk in supernatural favor. The scriptures tell us Jesus Christ, who is in the bosom of the Father. The bosom is what? Remember uh, when when we had the the, uh, the the man who died, and we got the parable from Jesus Christ, and he said, "Allow me, allow me to go and speak to my brother." And he was he was speaking uh, to his brother, and the, and the Lord spoke to him, and the word came out to him. No, once you're in hell, you can't reach out. But we understand that those who had not yet been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ were what? They were kept in what was called Abraham's bosom. They were kept in paradise. They were kept in a place that God had had partitioned them and held them apart so that they were not going to participate in hell, but they were waiting for that message. And we understand that Christ, when he resurrected, it says that he preached to those spirits, to those saints, that were in Abraham's bosom to be released. The bosom spiritually means that deep place of God's heart. And in this sense, there are things in the bosom of the Father that are parted through Jesus Christ to you and deep into your spirit, spirit talking to spirit. We understand in Romans that the spirit of a man and woman, when we say man in this house, we're talking about species, not gender, right? Species, both male and female. That the spirit of God is speaking to the spirit of man. And there's a groaning coming out, a sound that comes out from the very bosom of the spirit of every creature crying out for the adoption, it says, of the Lord God Almighty. That's because... The bosom of the Father, which is Jesus Christ, never gets crying out to the bosom of every person saying, I got you, I'm with you, I want you. Now, we may blind that voice. We may not hear it. We may not be able to understand it. We may deafen it because of our lifestyle, because of our choices, because we're not really uh, preeminently thinking about the things of God, but when we get rid of all those distractions and all that noise, we can hear clearly the voice of God speaking to the voice of our spirit about all the good things of God. And here's the other good news. Yes, the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, will convict us of the things that aren't right of God, but he will not condemn you. There's a big difference. He will not condemn you. The conviction for the things that we need to fix in our life isn't to destroy us. It's not to condemn us. It's to be able to have that relationship and to walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. That's the only religion, the only faith in all of the world that doesn't condemn unto sin is Christianity. Do you know that? And there are hundreds of religions and they all Condemn one way or another or cause one way or another for there to be rules and laws and things that you have to do In order to be acceptable to God the voice of the Holy Spirit is crying out to us every hour every moment Every day speaking from the bosom of the Father into your bosom of the Holy Spirit. We are in a relationship So we must grow strong. I want to give you a couple scriptures I wanna first look at Luke chapter uh, 2, verse 40. Now, Luke did a very good job um, of giving us a chronology or a history of some of the things of Jesus Christ. What you will find out is we have very little information about him from when he was born until he began his ministry. Very little, you have to put the pieces together. We assume that he was taken by his father into Egypt to hide the death of Herod. We don't know for sure, it's not really spoken to us other than what we hear in the prophets, that he was kept there. We assume that he grew in stature and strength Some say he was a carpenter, but basically, as I've studied it more, it looks like he was more of a stonemason than he was a carpenter. He worked with stone. That would make a whole bunch of sense, wouldn't it? As a builder, wouldn't it make a lot of sense when we understand that somebody who's the cornerstone (laughs) isn't a carpenter, but instead they're a mason? Wouldn't it make a lot of sense that when we understand that we're building upon that firm foundation, that that firm foundation is one who knew on earth and in heaven how to build a firm foundation? Those are masons, right? In this area, and matter of fact, all around the world, we always want to build a house on a foundation. Without it, it doesn't last too long. It can fall. It can have all kind of issues. It can slip, and if the foundation's no good, it cracks. So we understand. Look at this. This is one of the few things, this and the next scripture we're going to get, that tell us a little hint about how Christ grew in the Father. How Christ grew in the Father. He didn't just, whoop, and all of a sudden he was all of himself and all of one being. Yes, he was always Christ. He was always God in the flesh. But he became man so that he would we would know and be able to relate to him that he became the second man, Adam. Unlike Adam, who was created in all of his fullness, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, just like you were born of a mother. And and he had to develop as a child. And here we see, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. Strong in spirit. And look what happens. Filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now you're gonna see with the next scripture, that in order to be able to lock on and hold on to moving into the favor of God, we have to go through a growth spurt. We need a growth spurt. How many of you know that, you know, a growth spurt for young young people basically happens sometimes, usually earlier for the female than it does the male, sometimes between 10, 11, 12, and 15, 16, or 17, right? And voices change and things happen. And, Little girls become young women, and little boys become young men, and it's 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 a growth spurt. It's a period of time. Same thing with you and me and our spirit. There are growth spurts in our spirit. In my life, and I'm not going to take a lot of time to go through that, I can tell you that it started... It, Obviously, before I knew the Lord, but there was a growth spurt. There was a spurt when, boom! all of a sudden I came to the revelation, the understanding of Jesus Christ. There was a lot going on, a lot of noise, a lot of activity, a lot of growth. We were I was maturing, you were maturing. It says we went from milk to meat. Well, once you get to meat, some people think it's all over. No, once it gets to meat, we need to keep moving on because old wine begins to smell, doesn't it? Old wine doesn't hold what's the new of the spirit. We need fresh and new wine all the time, fresh and new meat all the time. Jesus Christ, the child, grew and became strong in spirit. Somewhere along that growth spurt period of time, as he was edging up to 30 years old to begin his ministry, he was growing in spirit. Now there's a way we do that. He became filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Let's go on to the next verse and then we'll merge these and dissect them and that's probably about as far as we're going to get. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 verse 52. Once again, Luke gives us some insight. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And in favor with God and men. So we merge the two. We merge the last verse and this verse and we understand he had to grow in strength. He had to become stronger. Yes, physically, but also spiritually. If you want to walk in the favor of God, then make it your discipline to grow spiritually in God, to grow stronger spiritually in God. How do you do that? You spend time with God. You You walk with God, you talk with God, you pray. You get in the word of God, you get teaching. But also, if we understand, it said he, that Jesus Christ gained knowledge. Now, that's strange, because by him all things are created. He's the creator himself, but yet in the flesh, he took the time and the discipline in his life to gain knowledge, knowledge of what? Knowledge of nature, knowledge of people, knowledge of of, of a trade. Knowledge of the Word of God. Knowledge of everything he could get, he gained knowledge. And what happens when you gain knowledge, especially when you are influenced by the Spirit of God, you get wisdom. You can't get wisdom without knowledge. There's people walking around that are wise about nothing but themselves. They think they have wisdom, but they don't have knowledge. You could be the wisest person in the world, but without knowledge, what good is it? And if you can't put your knowledge to some practical goodness, what good is it? How many of you known somebody who never quit going to school? I know two of them. One was my uncle, he's passed. He never quit going to school. He went to school, went to school, went to Italy, went to med school, dropped out of med school, went to another school, went to another school. He died and went to all kinds of schools and never had a job. Yeah. And then I know another one who is a radiologist locally, wonderful man. Very accomplished. He, he, had, uh, he had a radiology department, but he never quit going to school. He got his CPA. He, got, he became an attorney. He was a radiologist. He, he became all kinds of things. And I would sit down and talk with him sometimes and be blown away because this guy knew something about everything and you couldn't dare argue with him. How would you like to have been somebody in one of his classes where he was blowing that curve? You had no choice. But at the end of the day, what he was lacking was faith. So all of that knowledge didn't relate to a wisdom, the greatest wisdom of all, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then I've known people who had no degrees. Our grandfather, my namesake. I don't even think he went to grade school because he was sent over here when he was five years old and started working in a coal mine. So he didn't even go to grade school. He had to learn broken English. He had to understand what it was, but yet he was one of the wisest people I ever met because he understood the basics of life. He understood the basics of family. He understood the fear of God, even though I didn't understand he understood it at the time. Very wise man. So we understand it's not just in education that we become wise. It's gathering knowledge and applying it for the wisdom according to the things of God. So we understand Jesus Christ increased. First of all, he became stronger according to the other verse. He grew stronger. Stronger in what? Spirit. I'm sure his stature was strong too. If any of you have ever worked laying cement block or finishing concrete or laboring concrete, let me tell you something. You don't do that and not grow strong. You're not going to last too long Usually your legs will blow out before anything else, your knees, but you're going to get strong. I believe Jesus Christ was strong in stature physically, and I believe he was strong, we all know, spiritually. He grew, and he increased in wisdom. He increased in wisdom such to the point that when the Lord moved him into his moment, and his moment in the kingdom, a very short ministry, three and a half years He had the wisdom to understand who he was in the place where he was at, and that it was start time. And when he came upon John the Baptist, he knew he needed to be baptized to fulfill all things. He understood that there was a time that the Spirit of God would descend upon him in the fullness. Prior to that time, he did not have the fullness of the Spirit. You understand that. So if he didn't have the fullness of the Spirit until it descended upon him when he came up in the baptism, and then it was said he was sent out in the fullness of the Spirit that means he was growing in spirit. Now how many of you know that you are growing in spirit but yet you have the capacity to have the fullness of the spirit? If you do, or if you think you wanna say you do, show me something, give me some love, all right. You know, I do well with amens or something, I, you know, spur me on a little bit, it just helps me, it gets my juices flowing. How many of you know that you're grown in the spirit but you have the capacity for the fullness of the spirit? Some of you do. Some of you, you're... uh, Listen, that is because you're a child of the living God. And that's because of the process of God moving inside of you, transforming everything in you. And you have to acquire it. You have to receive it. And then you have to practice it in order to continue to grow in the Spirit. And if you're grown in the Spirit and in wisdom and stature, then there seems to lead to the fact that that, that will in itself result in the favor of God coming into your life. Favor of God coming into your life. It's hard to have the favor of God without wisdom because you don't know what to do with the favor of God. God gives you favor, so you think, well, I'm going to go to Las Vegas and gamble because you got favor, right? I mean, you know, how many times, you know, I went to a Catholic high school, and I'd, we'd go out on the football field, and, These guys would kiss a medal. They'd kiss a medal, and I'd kiss a medal? What is that? I didn't even know what it was. You know, I wanted to smash someone in the mouth. That's what I understood about playing football. I didn't know about kissing any medals. But that was the wisdom that they had, but that wasn't the favor of God. God will meet you at the level of faith that you're at, and I'm sure God is. But when we get the wisdom of God, we begin to understand why God is giving us favor. Because you know why? Because we're already serving the kingdom of God in order to tap into the favor of God. We have the wisdom of God to understand, right? In Matthew 6, 22, 630, 31 verses 32, we have the wisdom to understand that when we seek the kingdom of God first, that all these other things are added unto us. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. The world doesn't have that wisdom. Even religion doesn't have that wisdom. Religion will give us parameters that we think we have to serve God, but it will not release us to the revelation of the relationship of the kingdom of God. We are called at this time especially, and everybody has been, to serve the kingdom of God. And when we do so, we receive wisdom, right? The word of God says that this wisdom is, has not been given to the world, but it has been given to the church. It's been given, these mysteries of the kingdom of God are ours to unlock. Why are they ours to unlock? Because you can be trusted with them. To do what? To serve the kingdom of God. We're not looking for self-service. You know, I was talking with somebody recently, and it always happens when You know, people either know or they ask you, and you say, I'm a pastor at Touch Heaven. Oh, that's your church. No. What? No, that's not my church. Well, you said you're the pastor. I said, I'm the pastor. I serve at Touch Heaven. That's his church. That's his church. That's his church. That may seem to you to be a semantic, and it might seem to be light, but to me, it's the fear of God. To me, I would fear God to call this my church. Now, you're my family, I love you, and I'm your pastor, but this is his church. And because it's his church, we're honored to serve. Amen? Now, many good works, both locally and nationally and around the globe, started off with passionate people wanting to serve God, and they came together and God raised up somebody as a leader or leadership. But somewhere along the line... The passion to understand and the fear of the Lord and the wisdom that it's his ministry, his church, his grace, his favor, his people, his congregation, his kingdom gets diluted and diverted. And because of the business of the ministry and the competitive spirit of the flesh, and because of the aggrandizement, the flattering of people, heads begin to get big. Security begins to decrease. Instead of moving in a secured fashion to want to see the body do very well and everybody to do as well as they can, and to let go and to let God, people begin to define it as their own ministry, their own church. You have a calling. That's your calling. But if you have a ministry, it's either God's ministry and your calling in His ministry, or it becomes your own. The minute it becomes my own, I am very dangerous. Very dangerous. And the result of that we see big ministries, big works of God in this area and other works of area imploded in the moment of a day. Gone. All of us. And, and, and we begin to see stuff come out and we realize this didn't just happen overnight. It was, it was like somebody who began to go wayward and lose their way over time. And that's the saddest part about it when people begin to lose their way over time and forget that it's the preeminence of jesus christ we become subject to all of the wolves and the fowls and those things that can lead us off by the grace of god daniel told us there would be great people of god falling in these last days that what he might purge them and make them clean may never again be at that place of leading at the level but at least be clean and purged and and capable of being still saved in the kingdom of God. One of the saddest things I think that we've ever understood and and, and received was when Jesus gave his discourse in Matthew 25 and he was telling us about the end of days and the end of times. And then instead of just leaving us there, he takes us to the, the judgment seat and he tells us there will be those who will come not from the world from the church and they will say lord lord i healed in your name i preached in your name i served in your name and he doesn't pat him on the back and say yeah i know but you blew it up okay he says get out get out to the other side do you know why that is more egregious to the lord than the cold sinner because of hypocrisy not only hypocrisy but because into whom much is given much is required i know i know that i walk on eggshells in the fear of the lord i'm not afraid because i'm not practicing sin i'm not bragging i have my little days and moments i was just sharing with Sonny this morning as we were exchanging with each other we get here early that You know, I spent time on my lawnmower Friday night, and rather than let my mind stray, I go into praying in tongues in a couple hours of repentance. And I don't come out of there feeling all elated, but I do come out of there feeling at peace. And I invite the Lord in to show every little blade of me that I need to work on. I'm not telling you they go right away, but I'm telling you that He helps me to be aware of them Ultimately, my final prayer to him every day, multiple times a day is, Lord, please don't let me slip. Please don't let me slip. And it's not because I'm afraid of my own soul. I'd love to tell you that's what it is. It's because I know that should I slip, I will injure the body of Christ. I know I will hurt sheep, wounded sheep. Too many of you have been wounded too many times. Too many of you have been hurt too much. Too many of you have been betrayed. Too many of you gave with good hearts, only to find out. I don't think anything, anything would disappoint me more about myself than that. So sometimes I have a real hard time understanding how men and women of God, of great understanding, great gifts of God, great favor of God, great anointings, great callings, indisputable fruit can neglect the fear of the Lord when it comes to the sheep. God is calling each and every one of us to a special calling in this day each and every one of us to grow in spirit beloved don't forsake growing in spirit no matter who you are and what you do no matter how busy your schedules are find some time to grow in spirit we have to make our priorities also not just to serve and not just to function not just to work with our hands and provide we have to make our priorities also to grow Some of you are doing that by being here today, some online. Some of you I am so proud of and wish I could be like you in so many ways with your disciplines that I so raw respect. We're diverse. We're a diverse body of Christ. But we have one call and one way, and it's the only way. So we grow in spirit. We seek knowledge. It's okay to seek knowledge you know of of what's going on in the world i mean we should know what's going on in the world because jesus said look at the fig tree if we don't look at the world in the fig tree we won't know what's happening to the fig tree in the world will we so we can't just put our head in the ground and say ah, you know i'm many of you have said I, I don't watch the news or listen to it anymore i'm not faulting you i do number one i'm a political science by degree number two it's my passion number three God calls for me to prophesy into the world. I can't prophesy into the world unless I have knowledge. So to me, it's part of equipping what I do. Now, I don't agree with everything I see. Matter of fact, most of it I don't agree with at all. But I get the knowledge so that I can have the wisdom for the kingdom. That's one of the wisdoms I need. Another wisdom is learning about The practical things of deliverance and prayer and tithing and you need knowledge in order to have wisdom we can't share wisdom with each other if we're ignorant who wants to learn from somebody who's ignorant I could handle that myself I don't need help doing that and then grace grace oh wow grace you know Grace, another time, I'm going to wrap it up. Grace comes from the same divine attribute of the character of God that favor comes from. Favor originates in the grace of God. It's as if the seed is grace and then what grows out of it is a blossoming tree of favor. But you don't get rid of the seed. And that seed multiplies more seeds. And every one of those seeds is greater grace. Greater grace, greater favor. Grace, the grace of God. If you really want to be operating in powerful gifts of God, get the wisdom. To soak in his grace. Soak in his grace. For another time. I want to close with this. Because we had a lot to do and we've got a big cake waiting for us. The favor of God is all about relationship with God. That's first and most preeminent. I would encourage you to have your own little study this week, you've probably read it many times, but go back with this revelation and understanding. Go back to the book of Colossians chapter one, starting in verse nine at least, and take it, take it to verse 18, Colossians one. What Paul was dealing with is there were three cities that were all in that same area. And Coloss happened to be, Colossus was its name, happened to be on the river. He never visited that one, did you know that? He wrote the letter to the Colossians from prison in Rome in 60 AD. And what he had found out was that there were charlatans and false teachers that had crept in the Colossus, taken his message that he had sent to Lystria and Ephesus, and they were perverting it. And they were doing a false teaching. And one of the things that they were attacking was the preeminence of Christ. And so they were setting up all kinds of other things. And Paul, rather than to attack each one of those personally, he wrote this letter to the Colossians. And when you see that in chapter one, starting really in nine through 18 and so, what he does is reveal to them the truth about the preeminence of jesus christ at all things he's so smart so wise he didn't attack the little points because there always be more little points if somebody wants to debate the goodness of, of god they'll come up with another point another point another point what he said was it's the preeminence of christ in him are all things created and nothing is created without him all things come from the creator And isn't it interesting that he also told us that there would be a time when all things would be reconciled back to Christ? So yeah, there's chaos, there's stuff running out there. It's all going to come back to Jesus Christ. It's all going to come back. What a wonderful day that is going to be. That's why I tell you, you and I, we are on a journey. We are explorers explores in this life to learn and understand and know knowledge inventions and the wisdom of god if the word of god is true even the internet bill gates didn't create anything he discovered something einstein didn't create anything he discovered something we're explorers all things are created by Him, and nothing that is created was not by Him. He's the Creator. That should excite you. That means when you get those keys, there's something there waiting for you to discover. There's something there for you, you, maybe only you, and all of the earth to be the one that presents it. Maybe you. Maybe you're the one for that particular thing how wonderful it is. I want to invite you up to the altar today. Those who want to leave, you can or go start having cake. We'll catch up to you. Just leave me one little piece. Not that I need it. I want to take the time out and I'm going to ask our team to help pray also. I want to just anoint you quickly. I want to anoint you that you will be able to not only learn and and grasp the understanding of, of pursuing the favor of God, but that you will have an experience with the favor of God pouring out in your life. Every kind brings forth its own kind. That's a law of the kingdom of God, Genesis. Let every kind bring forth its own kind. What you sow, you reap, right? And uh, you know, if you want a a healing, a physical healing in your body besides a miracle from the Lord, and you you know, whether it's an extraction of a tooth or something with your back, you go to somebody that is skilled in doing that, right? You got a problem with your foot and, and you need your foot fixed, you don't go to the shoemaker. You know, you go to the doctor, same thing. You want the favor of God? I can promise you this. I could say this to you, humble, arrogant, and confident before God, the favor of the Lord is flowing in this house. Over and over, I hear reports from from you. This just happened. This just happened. I needed $3,500 to get my house. A father I hadn't seen and had anything to do with in a long time wrote a check and gave it to me. This happened. This happened. It's the favor of God flowing in the house. Because we believe, we pursue, we're generous. We're generous in the kingdom of God. Oh, the Lord loves generosity. He so loved the world. He gave his only son. What could we, out, how could we ever outgive that? He loves it. So I know that in this house, the favor of God, the favor of God is, 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 is a pillar, it's a pillar. And we pray to the Lord that we sustain that, that we do the right things and have the right hearts to sustain the, the favor of God in this house flowing throughout the congregation. Amen. So uh, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to release those who want to go. I'm going to invite those who want to be anointed. I'm going to ask Anwar to come up with me. Uh, I don't know where Patty is. I think she's probably tending to like cake or something. If someone could ask Patty to come up, quickly please. I would appreciate it, whoever goes and gets her. And um, I'm going to pray and invite you up. We're going to anoint you. We're just going to pray and release the favor over you. Not long prayers. We don't need to get into a counseling session. Just receive, believe you're receiving the favor of God. There's scripture for that. I don't have time to get into all of it, but God would send prophets to anoint those that he was calling to do things and what they were anointed for was the favor of God to do that which which they were called to do that's what they're anointed favor is an anointing amen amen Laura Lee come up please come up come up come up yes father we thank you Lord for that which you've done we thank you Lord for for your word we thank you for your favor in our lives and in this house and in this ministry We receive it and believe it humbly, Lord, humbly, Lord. You don't have to do anything, Father, but yet by your word, by your word, Father, you say, if we seek your kingdom, you will add all these things unto us and that you will give us great favor with both God and man. And our Lord Jesus Christ grew in stature and strength and in spirit. And he received the favor of God and walked in that favor. Even unto his death and resurrection, Yord, he went with that favor. So we come to you as children. We come to you as your children, Father, who believe in Jesus Christ and believe in all that you've released through him and into us. Us and you, you and us together in each other, living and moving in the abundance of all who you are and what you are. So, Father, I ask you humbly now to anoint your people here this morning, To walk with that anointing of favor for their callings in their lives. That, Father, that favor will overcome all obstacles, all problems, all divisions, all faults, embellished by your grace, O Lord. Your grace, Father. We thank you for that. And we ask you now, Lord, to release that here through your servants. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to come up, please, if we have some oil somewhere, right here.
1: Thank you. With the hiding, no reason away.
0: Nita, come pray.
1: My soul needs a friend. So we're
0: thank you, sister. again.